welcome to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad, it incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving your kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and definitely messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation with my friend Thomas Blackwell, the author of the incredible book, The Liberty of Our Language Revealed, talking all about the language we use and really paying attention to what we say and how we say it. This conversation is so rich because as I look around, I know that as fathers, we want to create safe, stability, uh, amazing relationships inside of our home with our families. And I don't think that we pause enough to really understand the power and influence that we have with our words and actions in and outside of our homes, the ability that you and I have to create life with our words. This conversation is going to challenge you, and it's from an incredible dude who really is living out what it means to be a father. So I know that you are going to grow so much and be challenged as I was during this conversation. Enjoy this conversation around fatherhood. All right, welcome to another episode of Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes. You could probably hear it in my voice. I'm smiling ear to ear as I'm sitting here talking with my friend Thomas Blackwell. How you doing, Thomas? So good. Life is beautiful, Ned. Glad to be here, buddy. Oh man. So I had met Thomas a couple months back at a Rise Up Kings business leaders event, and he was one of the speakers uh, sharing about his book, The Liberty of Our Language Revealed. And I got pages and pages of notes. So thank you for that. You're so welcome. Great opportunity. Oh, yeah. And I'm excited to dive into this from the perspective of a father uh, thinking about our language. But I'll tell you, I came home from that event and I had done the exercises that you did on stage talk, you know, where you had people come up and, and, and show the power of our language. I came home and did those same exercises with my kids and my wife, which was really fun. Um, and then my whole team has read your book. So my employees, uh, have read your book. And what's cool is we just hired a new guy on Friday and he got the book and yesterday. So that was what, you know, five days ago yesterday on his Instagram stories, I see him post this, like, this is the most amazing book. I'm in chapter four. If you see this, go buy it, get it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, that just shows, you know, the power of, of a good book that has real practical information. Because this guy, I don't see him posting like everything he's reading. You know, he's not like an influencer trying to, sh- you know, share everything he's doing. So he's sitting there reading this book going, this is changing my life right now. Oh, I'm humbled and inspired by that. Thanks for sharing. That's awesome. And so, you know, I say it because I want other people to know, like, what we're about to talk about is is pretty incredible. Um, so I do want people to get to know you a little bit. So Thomas Blackwell, how old are you? 42. 42. And how many years have you been married? It's our 20th year or in our 21st year. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. That's a gift to the world right there and to your family uh, to, to show that it's possible. Um, and you, how many children do you, do you guys have? 
Yeah, so married my high school sweetheart, and we have four incredibly beautiful daughters. Oftentimes people think my wife is my daughter, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And then you guys have kind of a unique living situation right now. Uh, Maybe take a minute and tell us about that. Yeah, so several years ago, Ned, we thought we wanted to go on what's called a family adventure. And our adventure was comprised of this, that we... We're going to put our stuff in storage, sell most things, big pieces of furniture, stuff like that, and then put the rest into a storage unit. We did that in Richmond, Virginia. We planned for one year to go and live in vacation rentals, whether it be a VRBO or Airbnb, and just cruise the entire country and parts of Canada hitting uh, you know, national parks, stuff like that. And we planned everything out, and we did it. We hit this beautiful country coast to coast. And uh, just had a wonderful time. At the end of that 12 months, we thought of a place we wanted to be, kind of the southeast of the United States. We arrived there, didn't feel, actually we knew it wasn't the right spot. So we thought, what now? Mm. So we got in the car and prayed. Okay, if this isn't it, then where? And, And we just felt guided to different spots. And now, Ned, it's been three and a half years and we're, How cool. we're still adventuring. We've actually lived in 73 places. And, wow. Uh, yeah. So anyway. <laughs> so then with that, what's the one thing that has been your favorite piece of it? Like if you were to say, man, this is the thing that was really has been the highlight because clearly it's great. You're still doing it. Yeah. Uh, the highlight for me is just there's beautiful people all over the world as I travel the world to, to speak. But and for my family to see that throughout the country, that just there is incredible people and places all over this beautiful United States and parts of Canada and people welcome you in and it's a safe place. And there's there's just so much to learn and, and so yeah. much to learn from each other. Some people say, oh, goodness, if you put all of my family in a car you know, across the country, we may not be alive because of uh, self-infliction, you know, after that. But, but, yeah. but nonetheless, it's, we've, we've grown so much as a family and learned to bond with each other and, and pull through some opportunities for growth. So that's, that's incredible. That's really cool. And then what would you say is the, been the hardest thing to either overcome or that you're constantly kind of rubbing up against? Uh, the thing that's been the most effort for us is is probably just knowing where to go next mm. and planning the next spot. And, and there's been times when our, our term is due at a particular rental and we have to leave and we don't have a spot next. We don't know where we want to go and just trusting and praying and and having faith. And uh, so actually, you know, I say you say the hardest, but it's actually been the most revealing of miracles uh mm. inside of that so it, it's it's taken more effort but i you know it's been worth the effort so yeah for sure um uh, you know i don't know everything so then, presented just opportunities to be stronger <laughs> in, in different areas of our lives so yeah that's cool and i think people will hear you know because you're you are so in tune with your language that if I ask questions like that, it's all, it's, it's going to be spun positively, uh, which is a choice. So let me ask this, how old are your kids? Just because as we get this idea, okay, you're driving around, uh, how old are your kids? Yeah, great question. So it's all girls. And so Michaela uh, will be 19 this month. Okay. And so Charity is next and she is 17. 
and then uh, Liberty is 10. And then our fourth daughter is an angel baby. She'd be 11 right now. Uh, Melody passed away when she was a little girl. Uh, but we always, of course, we had her. And so she's with she's us. part of the family. The, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. That's incredible. Um, I really want to get into the conversation of language. So I'm going to ask a couple quick, quick questions. One is... What has been the best resource to you as a father? So is it, um, you know, something you saw that you liked, that you saw that you didn't like, a book, a mentor? What, what's been a, a great resource to you? Uh, Ned, I'm, I'm a bit of a copy cat, copy machine, do what successful people do, and I get what they get type thing. And that's been mm-hmm. my philosophy for a long time. So I've been a, just a high radar of who was doing something that I felt was great as a father. And so interesting enough to say everything and everybody is a resource for me saying uh, that felt good and I want to copy that or that didn't feel good and I, I, I don't want to do that. And so I'm constantly on the look just like you and wanting to improve my life. And just like your book says, you know, you, you wrote it because you want it to be better. You saw something that you wanted to improve on. And so I'm in that mindset. I've been, for whatever reason, trained to, to be like that. So everything's a resource to me. Yeah, okay. Um, I like it. Uh, so, so let me put it this way. Good men, righteous men, uh, men that love their wives and their family are the resource for me because I am constantly watching that. That's good. I like it. Well, this podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes. So a dad like yourself is going to open up your life like you've already kind of started doing and share with us so that we can learn and grow from that. And the the mantra for my whole deal is rebel and create and not rebel for the sake of being rebellious and destructive, but to rebel against the status quo of either what you were shown or what you think a man is supposed to be and then create in that the life that you want. And, and your example of, you know, taking a leap of faith and going on an adventure for a year, that's a rebellion against the status quo of your house is your most important asset as American family. Um, and so that's a great example right there. But do you have another example of something that you are currently rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that? Yeah. So we, we grew up, uh, you know, married my high school sweetheart. So we were in high school together and things like that and the things that we experienced we thought you know we want something different not that we had a bad high school experience or or bad home life at all we had wonderful we wonderful parents and and that um but one of the things is we we homeschool our kids Hmm. Uh, we we've stepped out of that box and you know coming from my mother who's a public school teacher my mother-in-law is a public school teacher um wasn't normal for them to say, well, why there's, it's just, we, we wanted to have those cherished hours at home and you can relate to this Ned. And, um, we weren't willing to send our kids away for 40 to 50 hours a week, uh, learning the most precious things of their lives from other people, hoping that it was going to work out. So the social norm has never been normal. The social norm for us in our home is, I mean, I have teenage daughters and they're beautiful and they don't even have cell phones. Uh, we've rebelled against that. Uh, they don't mm, have that's a big phones. one. They have, uh, you know, we have one flip phone 
that you can text and call and uh but they don't have social media accounts they don't have uh you know we i speak at a lot of places to youth groups all over and and i'll take the girls with me and they'll they'll have dances and stuff like that and it's fun but if a boy wants because they have email addresses if they want their email our rules they have to go through me and they have to email me and then uh we'll okay so so and so is wanting your email address um and then we'll pray about it and well i'll basically say is this the boy you're going to marry <laughs> and if it's not and then we'll say okay then what's the we're, we're not going to further that you know because it's that's our philosophy anyway this all these relationships and back and forth and uh people can get wrapped up instead of just strengthening their, their relationship with god and and knowing when it's exactly the right person so we've that's, I would say it's pretty our, our rebellious state. It's very yeah, different. it's serious. It's good. Um, you know, the girls, will, our girls will know when it's the right one, and we feel like we will too as parents. But that's stepping out of the the normal, I would say. And so there, there's a few. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot you're creating in that. You know, it's it's, and what I love about it is that you have been thoughtful and intentional about it. So you haven't let the world decide for you how you're going to raise your kids or what their experience is going to be. Um, so whether whether parents homeschool or don't homeschool or let their kid date or not let their kid date or have phones or not, I think the thing is, are you talking about it? Are you thinking about it? And are you the one making the decision or are you just letting the status quo, what the world is doing, uh, kind of force your hand in those decisions? So I think as parents, you know, the thing to get is like, are you being thoughtful? Are you thinking through this? So that's, that's amazing. You and your wife have clearly thought through what you wanted for your kids. Yeah. And the girls Love are it. on board too. You know, it's not something that it's enforced. It's just, this is our family standard. And we, the girls have a, in a way, a testimony about it of, of, we can say, this is how it was for us and how we wish it were different and all the emotions and stuff that was spent on that was unnecessary where we felt like, you know, we could have spent it somewhere else. And um, so we've just created something totally different and it's wonderful. We draw on each other instead of the outside world, you know, our safe haven is on the inside, not the outside. So, yeah. And that's huge. I mean, the, I like how you, that statement, because I, and so a believer in a father's role is, or one of their roles is to really create a safe place for their family. So with that, I actually, you know, um, we had emailed your wife as well and asked her some questions about you. And, and one of the things that she had come back and said, which led to just a, a question I wanted to ask you is she said that you have really honored your role as a father and really honored her role as a mother and allowed her to, to be a mother based on you honoring your role. And so I wanted to ask you, what do you think the role of the father is? Uh, so my feeling is this, that the father is, is we're built to go provide and protect for our families. And uh, so that is my role. And I, from the moment we had our first child, you know, when we were first married, we both had jobs met. And then when we had our first child, I said, you will never have to earn a paycheck ever. I will bring home the money. I'll provide well for you, whatever you want to do. And so that you can be the primary nurturer and caregiver of our family. 
And I feel like I, and I didn't want anything from the outside pulling her energy away from, from that. And so she has excelled at that. And then now she's the homeschool teacher, you know, she's, she's everything. And, um, so that's what I feel my role is to provide that safe environment and provide the means that they can accomplish whatever they desire. And she's training our girls to do the same thing, uh, to be the primary caregivers, you know, and nurturers for their families and, and it, not, not willing to let others take on that role for our family. And that's a big reason also why we homeschool is we want to know what they're learning and how they're learning and, uh, and so for me, she, you know, look, if I, if I wasn't, um, w- there's some situations in family where the father's, uh, lost a job or something like that. And the mothers took it on themselves, Ned, to go out in the workplace and be the primary provider. And then his, in a sense, crippled people very close to us. They let it cripple them. You know, it doesn't, it's by choice, of course, but by, by a, a, a mom, not showing that confidence in the man that he can do it. So giving you support instead of I'm going to go support you. I'm going to do your role because you're not cutting it. Uh, we, we've seen some, some harm done in that. And these are people very close to us that we've experienced. So we just said, you know, it's not going to be like that. If, if I'm struggling financially, whatever, she's just going to say, you can do it. And she always has, and we've always had enough and plenty. So let me ask this. How do you um, fight that culture, maybe the culture or the this mindset, maybe that that being a mom isn't enough? And I don't want to say, you know, I think it's I think being a mom is just incredible and like what an incredible opportunity to be a mom. And if you want to work as well, okay, you know, but that's we're talking about Thomas's life right now. how do you in your home fight that idea that like, well, what's your side hustle or what, what is it that you're passionate about or what is it that makes you happy? Uh, so yeah. How do you com- combat against those, those ideas in our current culture? Well, I think just in our general makeup, um, we don't, you know, not, we have love and appreciation for whatever people choose. Mm-hmm. And all we can do is all we can do, knowing that we've come to grips with my makeup is to provide and protect and her makeup as a woman is the primary nurturer and caregiver. And so if someone chooses something outside of that, um, I feel that they at some point will come to, uh, and, and maybe it's right now with this, what we're having the opportunity to embrace this coronavirus and COVID-19 more mothers are at home than ever before and and they're recognizing wow I'm, I'm having a lot more time with my kids mm. and um and for some of them they're having to say I really love it and some that are saying this is stressful for me are having to change and recognize what what was I putting in place of my child and so we, you know, we, we don't deal with the, the combating because it's just, it's who we are. And, and it was my wife's great desire to stay at home the whole time is because she has a mom who didn't. Got it. My also great desire is I have a mom who didn't. And mm. we know that some things could have been avoided, prevented, nurtured, and blessed if they did stay home. And we're not, we're not judging our mothers because they did what they 
did uh, and what they chose. But nonetheless, it's something we saw and we said, you know what, we're, we're going to change that because it wasn't how we wanted it to be. And I feel, I feel like if a mother uh, embraces her role, she will find the most fulfillment possible. Because, look, you only get one chance as a mother and a father because once they're older, I mean, and the most precious years of their life, and, uh, and it will shape the rest of their lives. And so it might give an example, you know, my mom who taught in public schools and my mother-in-law, she interesting. They would come home and say, I always know the kids whose who's both parents work. I always know the kids by their behaviors that the mother's working outside of the home. And it was just their comment. And they did too, but she, I could just tell, um, because it, there was a different ends in whether it was energy or uh, obedience or peace, uh, attention span. So these, this is coming from mothers who are out working outside the home, you know, but they, it was an interesting comment when, I mean, wouldn't you agree that they, they could yeah, tell. Yeah. So yeah, interesting, man, that's good. Thank you for sharing your life with us. I think that, that those things are definitely, definitely countercultural. So to, 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 allow us to listen in and, and push back on some of the things that we might be thinking or considering um, as fathers. Uh, that's really good. So I'd like to jump into language and talk about uh, your book as it relates to fathers. And something you had said um, at the event we were at is, is having a mindset of saying, that's hard or it's worth the effort. And I wanted to bring that up first because as we le- lean into this conversation, I'm sure Dudes are already thinking, man, that sounds hard. Like your lifestyle sounds hard or, or, um, okay, now we're about to jump into language and they're going to hear you talk about how you think we should be speaking to ourselves and to our kids. And the first thing might be, oh, that's hard. But what I want all you dudes listening right now to, to, to change your, your conversation in your head, which is what we'll be talking about is move away from that's hard to it's worth the effort. And so as you consider your language, as you consider your kid's education, as you consider your role as a father, to think it's worth the effort. Those kids, and if you're married, your spouse, it's worth the effort. So let's start there. Um, And I'm going to ask you a question with something else that you said, Thomas, leading in with that is, I love you said you either have a culture by design or a culture by default. Talk to me about that in relationship to a father in his household. Perfect. Uh, so the language aspect of it and leading into that is, you know, we bring about, what we talk about, that's the tagline of my book. The liberty mm-hmm. of our language revealed is we bring about, what we talk about and And the culture is everything. People, we all want to bless culture. Like I can make a T chart Ned, and say, how do you want it? Peaceful, happy, loving, joyful, caring, uh, wonderful, confident, or fear, anxiety, panic, worry, sadness. Nobody's going to choose that side. <laughs> right. You know, right. Everybody, everybody wants the good things. And so your culture will determine that. And oftentimes we say we want something good. We know what we want, yet we're unwilling to face it uh, or look it in the square in the eyes and say, how do I create that culture? Because as, as what you quoted me on saying is we'll have a culture by design or a culture by default, we're going to have a culture and in our homes, in our homes, in our, our homes, our businesses everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it will be by how we speak, 
how we treat each other. And if the kids know what the culture is, like, this is who we are. This is who the black walls are, right? Uh, this is who our family, this is what we do in these situations. If they don't know, it'll be by default and they'll default to what they know, which might be something outside, which might be something they saw on a TV show, which might, and so there's all these cult, these people submitting to what they see on TV, what they, and that becomes their culture. And they're letting that come in and be adopted into their homes versus being clear on this is who we are. This is what we do. A wise grandmother once said to me, she said, Thomas, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And what she was referring to net is not only the people you hang out with, but the things you hang out with. What do you watch mm -hmm. on TV? What do you look at on your phone? What books do you read? And so that becomes your culture. There's many studies that have shown that, you know, we'll be the same today uh, as in five years, save it be the people we meet and the books we, re we read. And so what, what are you putting in their brain as culture? And so, uh, you know, for, for my home in our language here, we have a culture of uh, prayer. We, we pray over everything and, and uh, they know that's just, that's what we do is so our kids will know whom to look to and, um, that they know that if we, if we have an issue, a problem or something like that, we're going to get on our knees and we're going to, we're going to pray about it. And so that's our culture. If it's, that's not normal uh, for them, or if they don't know whom to look to in a situation that requires effort, it's just blowing in the wind. And that's the default right there. So in, in other aspects, I would encourage men to say, what is my culture? What is my family vision? What, what do we do in certain situations? And if you can't answer that question clearly and within 10 seconds really just visit on what would you want it to be and speak about it and and having these we have family inventory often uh typically every morning after, you know as we get together and get going through the day we'll have a family inventory how everything what's today is going to look like and our life is not a guessing game and it hasn't been for a long time because our culture is it's it, now, we plan out things, but we have mercy in the plan as well. But too often times, people, I, I hope I have a great, I hope my kids love me. I hope I'm a good father. And this hope, although mm -hmm. hope, is, hope is good, um, I know that there's no guessing games in what we're doing because our culture is we do the things necessary to create the positive culture. And so, again, that's where someone might say, Ned, that's hard. And I would say, you're right. And someone might say, oh, I love it. I'm going to do it. And I would say, you're right. And another person says, wow, we haven't done that before. I know it's going to require some effort. And I'm going to say, you're right. You see, it's whatever we say. It's truly whatever we say. And I talk about in the book that are the physical power of our words and the weight of everything we say will happen. And so um, whatever we say, who said it? Henry Ford said it. He said it best. He said, whether you say you can or whether you say you can't, Either way, you're right. And I would say, and I prove in the book, literally, you're right. Like, it will physically come to pass. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, you know, the, the think about our whole world. I mean, it's, it's you know, the best-selling book of all times, the Bible. And, the, you know, in, in Genesis, it says the whole world was created by what? By the Word. By the Word. That's right. And so they've given us the power to create our own worlds by the Word. So. People are, are loosey-goosey with their language of, well, we hope today's a great day. And we, I hope that, you know, after 18 years, my kid calls me a great dad. And what, it's not a, that's going to be their world if that's 
what they're saying versus I've done everything I know to be a great dad. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. It's not guesswork. And so what you're doing right now is just remarkable because you're, you're taking the guesswork out of hoping fatherhood is good and you turn to this is what you can do and be conscious of it and make it better. So I love it. Oh, thank you. And I, going back to what you said, I mean, everything in the last couple minutes was just so rich, but the idea to say, I hope I'm a good dad. I hope, I hope, but that you have the power and the influence to make that hope a reality. So let me ask you this, because, you know, as much as I like positive language and stuff, how do you, how do you compete or combat with, yeah, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to wake up and say, today's a great day, but some days bad stuff happens. So how do, how is it not just like every, I'm so positive. Hi, everything's positive all the time. Or is that a possible way to live? Or what do you do when, when bad stuff happens? Um, so again, <laughs> my, my, my thought would be, Ned, do you want bad things to happen in your life? And the answer would be, no, no. Okay. Um, and it's, it's the set of lenses that we look through and I'll give an example or two here as I think of them. But, uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer said it just beautifully. He said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And so while someone was having things are going bad for one person, other people see an opportunity for growth. Uh, and so it is totally how you see in your response. There's a, a formula that I mentioned to you previously, and it's also in the book. It's called E plus R equals O. And it stands for event plus response equals the outcome. And while we don't always have control of the events in our life, and that's where people might say, this is going bad. Okay. Is that your response to it? This is a bad thing. Or is, you know what? I'm going to change this to something positive or what can I get out of this? And really it's by switching. This is so easy. Ned. It's by switching two words to four words. And this little switch can take any situation and, you know, turn the night today. And it goes like this in a bad, if it's bad, it's because you're saying the two words, why me? Mm. When a person says, why me? They're in the victim mentality. There's no room for progression. It is, it's all, everything's terrible in your life. Why me? Why me? There's, you know, the blinders are on words. A person changes it to these four words. What can I learn? Okay, just got in a car accident. What can I learn? Uh, and by doing that, the blinders come off. Progression has the possibility for you to see it in a different lens of, okay, why did this happen? I just talked to a gal today, you know, interest rates are really great on the mortgages. And, and, and a few months ago, they were trying to get a refinance on their home and it wasn't working out and <clears throat> didn't work out, didn't work out. And then now it's working out today. And it was such a simple fix where it could have worked out several months ago, but rates are so much better today. And she turned around and says, Oh my goodness, what a blessing that that didn't work out because we're saving so much more money with the better interest rate today. Yeah. So looking back and saying, wow, what can I learn that everything always works out for my good? And that's a, that's a phrase that our family says every single day in unison. And we say it, it's Romans eight twenty eight thing. It's everything always works out for my good because we love God. 
And you can see every situation like that. I mean, they, you know, some dads have dealt with the death of their child. Like I have, you know, my third daughter passed away and you think you, you think you would never be able to go through something like that. I mean, if you, it is, it's like a club I and mean, people can relate to that. It is the most opportunistic time to see what you're, what you're made of. And, um, because we said, what can I learn? We were able to pull through that instead of had we been this victim mentality, it could have crushed us. And, uh, so, so that's a tough one. Yeah. So, so I mean the why me versus what can I learn? I mean, that is perfect. And I, I mean, you brought it up before I did, because I know if I'm listening to this, I'm going, yeah, I could apply that to 95% of my stuff. But then the critics, right? The, okay, well, my kid dies, which unfortunately you've had that experience and you're still teaching this, or I have cancer or, you know, my family member has COVID-19. How do you apply this? Just can you dig into that for one more minute here? Is how do you apply that in those situations? So it's so simple. And I want, I want whoever's listening to this to recognize the simplicity of this and say, okay, this is simple. The fact is this, you will find whatever you're looking for. If you go looking for mud, you'll get dirty. If you go looking for goodness, you'll find the goodness in people in situations. Ned, if you, if I wanted to find the bad in you, I would go, I would find it. If you want to find mm. the bad in me, look, you'd find it. But if I go looking for the good, I'm going to find it. So what is your, you know, microscope? What is your magnifying glass? Is it a positive one or a negative one? And, and so in any situation, can you find the good? Can you be grateful? You know, I told the story today. I did a webinar with a big group of uh, realtors and um, they, that I told them about uh, gratitude. And there's a whole chapter in my book about this, you know, the, the language of gratitude, thankfulness, and appreciation. And can, um, can you look at every situation and find gratitude in it? And there's a, a, a situation called Biosphere 2 in Tucson where they've created the perfect environment. Uh, you remember this, they, mm-hmm. the, the weather, the humidity, the, the water, everything was perfect under a roof in the middle of the desert. Trees were growing at astronomical rates within months that would have taken years and plants and fruits and vegetables were growing so fast. And then all of a sudden these trees start toppling over and they couldn't figure it out so much that they had to shut the whole thing down. And what they figured out later was because there was no diversity, because there was no wind, on these trees, they couldn't develop something called stress wood or reaction wood. And the only thing, only way that they could develop that was by high diverse winds in the outside environment. So no tree in its right state would ever curse the wind. Mm. They, they bless it and say, thank you. And so it's shifting this mindset of, well, you know, put me in a bubble. And if everything was just perfect, my life would be happy. Actually, you would topple over and not because we need the diversity. So even taking the winds of our life and saying, thank you, because I can guarantee we're all going to be stronger because of what's going on right now. Um, or we're going to be weaker and it'll be by what, how we look at it. That's really good. And I wonder if, you know, why we have high suicide rates and why we have high divorce rates is because I would say as the American culture is we avoid we avoid failure, we avoid conflict, we 
you know, we try to make everything feel good and right and happy, you know, like this word happy, what makes you happy? We're all kind of like focused on this happy thing instead of, I would say joy, which joy in my mind is more choosing this regardless of the circumstances, which is a lot of what you're talking about. Um, yeah, we need that. We only grow through our life and not allowing ourselves just to be too comfortable. Yeah, that's so true. And and what, what's interesting aspect about that is I believe we're these resilient beings. You know, we, we have this divine nature and things show up for us, not to us. You know, things happen for us, not to us. We've certainly heard that before, but let me dig into that a minute and understanding and my belief is it will keep showing up until you learn from it. Mm. And so my philosophy is, is the moment it shows up, I say, okay, this is showing up for me to learn something. What can I learn? Versus I keep getting knocked over the head. Like you see in Lion King, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the wise little guy keeps knocking Simba in the head until he figures it out. Um, and that's the thing. We're going to keep getting knocked in the head to say, wait, you're swinging at me. I'm going to, move and understand why that's happening and so it's just a new set of lenses ned like when things happen right now like some people are there they might be financially struggling or we didn't have enough food or this or that okay look fix it if this happens again don't let it happen again or or shame on you right 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 so things are happening all around for us uh to figure out how to be better and and blessed be the day for that i it's, it's just really putting on a new set of lenses and, and really to what power and source you obey. You know, if you're in a state of hate, uh, a state of uh, fear, a state of victim mentality, all those are such low level energies. And I, I they have that's like the dark side. It really is because you're, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about this the other day of whose jersey are you putting on, you know? Uh, devilish jersey or heavenly jersey and in in uh, there's something that we say in my world everything always goes right in my world everything always goes right in my world everything always goes right so things are okay. always showing up for me and i see it all that way i'm going to be stronger with every single possible thing that comes into my world and and all the guys have to do is try it i mean not just try it but do it and you you watch you see what happens yeah. So, I mean, like, let's dig into that for a second. So we started this, this piece off on, okay, you, you're either going to have a culture by design. So design means sit down, plan it out, make a decision, execute it, see what works, see what doesn't tweak the design, show up again. And that's rebel. Rebel is the war's never over. Do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. And comes back to the first thing. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, it is hard, but it's worth the effort. And so as you think about dudes in their home going, okay, well, I've kind of let culture just happen. So I want to not just have it be default. I want to design this. What are some practical steps? I mean, you've thrown out the nuggets, but if you were to just say, here's some practical steps, dudes, write this down and then go and do it. Don't try it. There comes back to our language. Okay. Yeah. Thomas, cool. I'll try it. Nope. Go do it. And then when it doesn't work, tweak it and then do it again and then do it again, and do it again. So what are some practical steps? First thing I would say is always start with the vision. Do you have a vision as a father? Do you have a vision as a 
uh, husband? Do you have a vision as a brother? Do you have a vision as a businessman? Um, you know, as, as Proverbs says, where there's no vision, the people will perish. And it is literally true because um, my kids know uh, who we are. I've turned our family vision into a song and we sing okay. it every day. And I know you want me to sing it, so I will. So it goes, <laughs> it goes together. I, I wrote the little jingle to it, but we sing this every day. And I want you to listen to the vision inside of it. We know who the black girls are. It goes together. We stand united. It goes together. We stand. We follow his call all for one and one for all. As family, we're one united. We'll be all together as one and eternal family. So what's the message inside of that is um, we're united. We're one. Uh, we come together, that sort of thing. So because if my kids are in contention, if they're anything like that, we do a, you know, a few things. Um, I can revert back to the vision and say, is that part of the vision? Is that being one or united? No, it's not. Okay. I don't have to say anything else. The vision corrects. Here's a great phrase. The vision will supervise my family when I'm not there. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's good. Yeah. If you're setting that culture up, mm-hmm. then your family is going to take that into the world. It doesn't have to be that you're micromanaging and making sure they're following the rules because you're creating this culture. Yeah. And I love, man, I love, you know, it's like, okay, I'm a dad. You said it from the beginning. My role is to provide and protect. And I think a lot of times we dig into that, like, all right, cool. Let me, let me know how to fight. Let me have a gun. Let me, you know, I'm, I'm going to go kill some meat, provide, protect. That's cool. Yes. That's part of your role. But like hearing you sing a jingle, take the time to make a jingle, you're providing and protecting. Isn't just from this, like what we see is strong it also is the strength of vulnerability, right? That you'd sing it for me now that you're going to take the time to create that for your four daughters and your wife, right? You're meeting them where they are too. Maybe it's, maybe it'd be different if it was four boys. I don't know. The fact is, is you're digging into the vulnerability piece of a man in your role as provider and protector, which I think is so critical. Absolutely. And, uh, there's, there's also a piece of our culture by design, Ned, that we started about 11 years ago uh, that we, as a family, every single night, one person is selected to, we all go around and we say what we love about them. And the way mm-hmm. that person is selected is uh, we do family prayers, just like many people do, bless the food. All We start with one in the morning and bless the food throughout the day. And at night we do a family prayer. And this is a culture thing, too that uh, I didn't grow up with um, where we lost the food in our family, but you know, family prayers was something I know I wanted. But for example, today is my wife's day. Tomorrow's my day. So tonight we will all go around all of us and say something that we love and appreciate about my wife. Tomorrow, everybody will say something they love and appreciate about me. Now you think about that. We never go to bed with contention in our home. Hmm. If anything had arisen throughout the day, it is dispelled. And it's amazing what simple words of love and appreciation can do. But when you have to go and say what you love and appreciate about somebody, uh, it, it's amazing what happens. The goodness comes in 
and I've done this with corporations all over the world. We'll put a team of 10 or less and put one person in the center and everybody has to go around and say what they love and appreciate about that person. For many people, they've never had anybody do that for them. And the tears that flow and, and the connection and the trust level goes through yeah, the Yeah, that's big. And so just in your own family unit, your own uh, piece here, it's we all are radars for what they're doing and recognizing that's a culture thing as well versus, you know, when the number one reason relationships and or, or key employees uh, leave companies is they didn't feel appreciated. They didn't feel recognized. Number one reason. And so in a relationship and a family too, they just didn't feel appreciated. Well, there will be no doubt. It'll be no guessing game what I love and appreciate about my family and my wife because I'm going to tell them with a structured piece, you know, every single week. That's so good. So, you know, the question I asked you was, how do you, you know, what are some practical ways that you could create culture? And you said, okay, well, write down your vision. What's your vision to be a husband, a father, a brother? Like, so what's your vision? So you could go write that down. And, and if you go sit down as a dad and you get stumped, just write something down. It doesn't, it can shape and form. The more you think about it and start talking about it, it's gonna, you're gonna find that, you know, and then at the dinner table, go around everybody. What are you thankful for? And now if your kids are, you know, 10 to 15 or, or whenever, and this is the first time you're doing it and they're like, what the heck dad usually takes his food to the TV or whatever you sit down, you know, that right there, let's sit down as a, as a family for dinner, start one night a week. If you've if you don't do it, go around the room, what's something you're thankful for. And it's going to be random. Cause they're not going to know if you're serious or not, but you keep pushing into that. And then the next time or before bed, Hey, what are we all appreciative of each other for? I mean, those are things that it doesn't matter how much you taught, how much time you have or how much money you have. Those are things you can do. That's right. And those start to set up the culture. And, and a lot of times I think as a dad, we're striving for the Disneyland trip or, you know, the, oh man, you take, you, you live in a, in a different uh, house every month with your family. Like we look at these big things, but what our kids are going to remember are the in-between things. How did I wake them up? How did I send them to school or how did I, how did we have dinner together? Or how was that five minutes before bed? You know, those are things that we have control of. So I love the practical things that you're saying. And I'd like to jump into one last thing before we, before we kind of close up, because I think that this, this is a secret that has the power to change the world <laughs> is how men fathers speak to their children. Like if we could get that hook of how we speak to our children or how we speak to our wife in front of our kids, mm -hmm. I feel like that could change the world if we just take that away. So talk to me a little bit about that, like the power that a man has as a father to speak life in Absolutely. their home. So, so true. Well, there's a, there's a whole chapter in my book on this called people tend to act how you speak to them. And can you just say that one more time? Hang on. So we don't just miss this. Like, how, like almost all these sentences are like, let's just, they're quotable nuggets. So say that one more time. So there's a whole chapter on this and it's called people tend to act how you speak to them, you know? And so inside of that, I know how I'm going to act. In fact, I was going to end that last piece with the vision and I'll dive more into it. But my, my vision as a father is very clear mm. and I've taken the time to do it. And it's this, uh, all my decisions are derived from this vision. It's I am an example and thought and deed of what a true gentleman looks like. I am present with my daughters in conversation and unconditional love. I provide well for my family and make time to create cherished memories. So that's who I am as a father. 
and all my decisions are based on that. If it's not in line, then it's not happening. But, you know, it says I'm a gentleman and thought word indeed. In my home, I get all the doors for my girls. And whether it's we get we pull up the vehicle, they all stay in the car. Nobody moves. Like I have to go open the door for one, open door for another, open door for my wife. And the thing about this, I know is because of that, is my daughters will know when a true gentleman shows up in their life because of their father. And that's that's a, my vision. That is an enormous that's hard. Okay. Right. That's an enormous, that's hard if you want it to be, but, or it's what an opportunity I have. Like literally the way I treat my daughters is setting her up for, for a possible success of her marriage and her relationships for her life. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want my daughters to always say, I want to marry someone just like my dad. So I have to be that man hmm. and that, that drives me every single day. And so you know, in our language and ha- people tend to act how you speak to them. How would I want my daughter's husbands to speak to them? How would I want boys to speak to them? And it's how I speak to them. So when they, uh, when someone's not speaking to them that way, they can recognize here's, this isn't a true gentleman or I don't want to be in the environment or that doesn't feel good. Uh, so I set the standard and does this take effort? Absolutely. And it's absolutely worth the effort. The, the return on that effort is is tremendous. So I, I believe at the end of the day, my daughter could say, you know, you remind me of my dad. And that's why I knew uh, I was attracted to you. Uh, so that mentality, you know, uh, and, and the same thing for a mother to a son or, or, a, or for a boy to say, dad, you're my hero is just, is phenomenal. My dad passed away when I was seven, Ned. And but I didn't have that. So I went throughout my entire life watching other dads and they were my dads. They didn't know it, but they were mine. And I, I took everything good and left everything bad. And I was so determined just to have the dad I never had essentially. And so um, at one point I used it as a crutch that I didn't have that. And then I switched that because I was, again, I was in the victim mentality and I changed it to, this is my strength. So, um, the, the best thing I could do for my daughters, the very best thing ever I could do for them to have peace and feel love in this, in this life is to love their mother. And um, as they, long as they know that, that I love her unconditionally, they feel that too. It, it you know, spills out and, and pours out over to them. But just everybody knows when, when they're being spoken to with love, respect, and, and honor. Mm, yeah. Oftentimes, right now in our in our social world, Ned, there's there's a lot of disrespect happening where where kids or whatever don't look people in the eyes. They they're they're pegged to their phones. They're these sorts of things, um, but not to allow that as as a father either. It's like you know, this is respect your elders. How are they supposed to know what that looks like? Um, Instead of, okay, my, I'm going to put my kid with me here and I'm just going to put an iPad in front of them to keep them busy. No, teach them to engage in the conversation. So just shifting, rebelling against what's become this crazy norm and norm and numb are so close. This numbness to what what's real and what's valued most. You know what I mean? Um, so. So good. So good. The power that we have. And, and we're talking about our language here, 
you know, but I ask it and you just jump right into, I mean, this is life. Like your words bring life or they don't. Mm -hmm. And you choose to do that. Um, And it's worth it. But it has to be intentionally thought out. Um, Man, that is so good. That is so good. Uh, Any nuggets on, I kind of, you kind of answer this, but Okay, we also have the power to teach our kids to understand their own language. So, you know, clearly you've set the culture from the beginning with your kids. So if if this is going to be a new culture that a father starts to implement, obviously you've answered that it starts with you. Okay, it starts with you modeling the language that's appropriate to use, the way we speak to each other and stuff like that. Any other practical tips on, okay, if we're going to start to shift our language in our house, um, is it just, hey, you start doing it and it might take six to 12 months or are there other things that you implement with your kids to help them be aware of their language? Yeah, so I've, I've, I've put a lot of effort into this in writing the book I did, you know. It took me 10 mm-hmm. years to do it. And as you read the book and you had your uh, the people you have stewardship over in, in your realm and business, the look, there's 13 chapters in there that can work from the inside out. So it's a process. It's a journey. Um, you know, uh, so when we're speaking to people and I'm, I'm teaching my daughters constantly, I'm saying, look, let's focus on what is felt versus what is heard. What is felt versus what is heard. When I say something, how do you feel? Uh, when I say that, well, I felt this way and we discuss it. Uh, but you just, you have to start somewhere. How do you want your house to feel? And is your language congruent with how you want it to feel? Well, I want that felt great in my house. Okay. By you having a short temper and, and, you know, snapping at different things, do you think that it's going to have a happy house? No. So be conscious is your words have to be congruent with how you want it to feel. And if it, if they're not, you'll start making these shifts. Um, and, and of course, read, you know, study up on it, whether it's my book yeah. or other places. Uh, you have to, if, okay, here it is. If you want things to get better, then you have to get better, Ned. You know, if you want things to get better, then you have to get better. If you I want, love it. if you want your value, you know, if you, your, your family's value to go up, your fatherhood value to go up, then you have to become more valuable. How do you do that? By what you put in. Greatness in, greatness out. Or are you putting garbage in because you're going to get garbage out? So just the fact that they're listening, if, they're, if they're listening to this right now, they're on track. I mean, they have a desire to do what's what's great. So It's so good because, I, you know, I think that if I want my sports ability at golf or surfing or whatever to get better, I'm going to go watch videos. I'm going to go get a coach. I'm going to go read a book. I I can put that effort in. And I wonder if it's because I see more immediate results maybe as to why we don't necessarily do that as much with say our marriage, our fatherhood game, our relationship with, with our kids, um, that there's not that immediate, um, gratification maybe, but you think all the effort that we'll put into a job or learning how to be better at something and you think, okay, fatherhood or my marriage is supposed to be this lifelong thing. Uh, how much more important is that, that I should be in learning and growing in those areas? So I love that you said that. 
Yeah. I think they, people have to get a, a feeling of why would I want to be a good father? Like it has to be a desire. Ned, we can talk about great principles all day long, mm. but if there's zero desire to be a good father and to better that situation, it'll never come. Uh, and I think, yeah. And I think that's my main, my main message is my main message is most men, all men, all humans want to feel valued, important, respected, loved. That when I leave this earth, I left a mark, you know, a good one, a good legacy. And I believe that those things, I believe that you were built for those things to come through your fatherhood journey and not only what you conquer outside of the home. So with that last thought in mind, what is the legacy you want to leave with your family? When you peer into the homes of your girls and their families 20 years from now, and you're looking in from outside, what is the legacy that you will want to have left? Um, that my girls and their families clearly know to whom to look. And uh, my in my world, in their world, is, is the Savior, Jesus Christ. So to whom to look and to teach their children to do the same, that I can only do so much, but I constantly turning my child to the Lord. And um, that's the legacy because, well, well, you know, actually, I've, I've actually thought about this often is if I had 60 seconds, Ned, if I had 60 seconds, my entire family's around me and I have 60 seconds to live like then I'm, then I'm out. Hmm. Okay. What? And I had three things I could tell my children. Dad, you got three things before you're out. Like someone's going to turn off the lights and you're done. What are those three things? And as I've, I wanted to write these down and, and I have these in my mind because it made me think what's the legacy I'd want to leave. And it'd be this number one, be a disciple of Jesus Christ is, is number one, as you follow the, his example, you will always be on the right path always number two marry the right person marry the right person god has chosen for you it's not a guessing game you'll know it's not just anyone that can fill that role you know that with your wife too it's look marry the right person know that it's right it's not a guessing game and number three stay in control stay mm. in, stay in control of your body and the food and substances you put into it stay in control of what you say and how you say it, stay in control of your emotions, stay in control of your education, stay in control of your vocation and how your family is provided for. So number three would be stay in control. So those are the three things that I would leave with them as a legacy. And if they did those, I would know that I, I planted some firm foundations. Thomas, I so appreciate this conversation. I I love that we could talk fatherhood. I love hearing your passion. I love hearing your intentionality. Uh, you are a great man, husband, father, friend. Uh, you don't just do it for your own sake. Uh, you share it. And I love that you you have these, these convictions that have been put inside of you and, and you share that wealth of knowledge with others because you want others to experience that same fulfillment that you are experiencing with your family. And I so appreciate that. And in the way that you're speaking to me and to all the men who are listening, it's not some secret you have or some special thing that they can't have. The things you're talking about are possible for all mankind. And 
as people are listening, I really want them to get that humility from you. You can experience the same thing by sitting down and choosing who you want to be and then growing in that. And so thank you for painting that picture for us. I just uh, so appreciate it. You're sure welcome. It was a fun experience here, Ned. Appreciate the opportunity. And again, just love what you're doing. You're making a great difference. And I, I learned a lot as well being here and uh, constantly putting the effort forth to be the best I can be, obviously. Well, thank you. Keep doing what you're doing, changing the world by helping people see the importance of the words they say out loud and the words they say to themselves in their head. What another amazing conversation with a super intentional dude. I love hearing about the life that Thomas has created with his family. How unique, how interesting, how fun, how cool. And I just love the freedom it gives us to really think about, okay, what's the life that we're creating? Something that I so love about hearing the way that he speaks is is clearly it's intentional. Clearly he has really thought through. Now, I haven't known Thomas his whole life, so I don't know if there was a point where it changed, But what I can tell you from talking to him, and I know you heard this too, is there's this humility in his voice. It's not that he's trying to be somebody. It's not that these words are forced or that he's using these like really key words every time that it just feels like he's consciously trying to make sure he says these words. It is just his vocabulary. He really thinks through the words that he has chosen to say and now it's a part of him. And as human beings, as fathers, we have an enormous opportunity to consider who we are and how we're representing that. And that comes out in our words and our actions. And you and I get to choose that or it'll just happen by default. But I know that you and I are both listening to this, engaged in this because we don't want the default. We want to design it. So go get a copy of Thomas's book. If you like this conversation, please share it with a friend, send him a text, uh, throw him a comment, send him the Instagram or the Facebook. Uh, if you take a moment, please go on iTunes and rate the podcast, write a review. When people go on and search parenting and fatherhood, it's going to push rebel and create fatherhood field notes up to the top. And that's what we want. We want to get this conversation in front of more men so that they know their value. I want to thank all you dads out there listening to rebel and creates fatherhood field notes podcast. What you do matters. Do not be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. Talk to you next time.